Hello and welcome to Retro Postmodernism, the podcast that covers the thoughts of the recent past and how they might just affect your near future. I'm your host, Benjamin Richardson, and today I am joined over Zoom by a very special guest, my good friend and resident Russian culture expert, Jeff Solomon. Say hi, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, Benjamin. But you're also a resident expert on Russian culture. We kind of lived together or around each other in Russia for like nine months. Right? It's true. It's true. We were best of buds in Russia and believe it or not, still in America. So today's podcast is all about Russia. The things that people have always thought about it that may or may not be true. We have our stereotypes, but today we're going to get through the nitty gritty drive through all those details and try to figure out what is Russia. So to start off today, we're going to read a quick quote from the famed Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who was very qualified to talk about Russia. He said, speaking about the undefinable intricacies of the country, It is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? Is this true? Oh, I would say that it's pretty true. Uh, Russia definitely is, you know, all those things a riddle and it's wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. I think that's just because nobody really understands anything about Russia other than Russians. People don't take the time to actually learn about their culture. But even though there are stereotypes, I think a lot of them bear some truth like any stereotype would. And we got some pretty... uh, pretty good stories, I think, between the two of us of our time there that can probably confirm or, or uh, negate any of these stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, if you think about it, like, when, when we went to Russia, I was like, man, I'm finally going to go to Europe. And then I get there and I realize, wait, this isn't Europe, but it's not, it's not Asia either. It's just Russia. I think one of my favorite things about that is that you will always tell Russian people when like we lived in Moscow and you'll tell them like, Oh, it's so great to be in the biggest city in Europe. And then they'll say, this isn't Europe. It's Russia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're talking about sure. continents here. And then they, they kind of just view R- Russia as its own continent. Almost. They don't consider themselves part of Asia or Europe. I, I agree. Russia is so hard to define, but there are definitely some aspects and characteristics, uh, several of which we're going to discuss today that really helps us understand and at the very least appreciate the Russian culture. So let's get right into it. Our first topic that we're gonna talk about today is babushki. So often, often pronounced by most native English speakers as babushki, these are the stereotypical grandmas, you know, they, I don't know. How would you describe them, Jeff? Wow, you know, you got your typical babushka or babushka and it's you know just a really withered old lady who's <laughs> bent over at the half yeah a handkerchief over her head maybe a long skirt perhaps yep. a little broom behind her mm-hmm. basically just imagine any sort of stereotypical like witch decoration you'd have at halloween minus right. like green hair and that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty accurate description that sounds about like, right yeah yeah and and just to put this out there First and foremost, we love all babushki, warts and all. Every part of them, they're amazing. They're I, just I yeah. I think it's important to to point out that we we love Russia, and in no way are we trying to make fun of Russia. But it's just so 
such an amazing and different culture that people aren't expecting and that's kind of what we're talking about so right to all yeah. the to all the all the babushki out there who we know and love hope they don't come out for us all over this <laughs> oh yes yes i agreed <laughs> so so when talking about babushki let's just say you're walking down the street you know in some random russian city and there's babushki always, you know, sitting on the side of their apartment buildings, maybe just like feeding the pigeons some crumbs. You know, what, what would your interaction be with a babushka as, you, as you're just walking down the street? As you walk by, like all you have to do, you see their group, they're just flocked together as the pigeons would flock to their bread. True. <laughs> <laughs> they flock together, this group of grannies that just sits in front of their apartment building and all you have to do is smile and say hi, to which you'll hear this like, cacophony of all of them like answering at the same time like oh hello oh good boys such good nice young boys so good oh your parents are so proud make your mothers proud like oh so handsome so wonderful yes all i said was hi but all right i'll take it (laughs) and we always know when when the babushi themselves are walking down the street they always have one thing trailing behind them you know what that is oh of course that is a cart a bob cart. Yeah, we have lovingly nicknamed a bob cart. Bob being short for babushka. But yes, yeah. My goodness. They will always have a cart. And I've been told they use these in like lots of, especially like Eastern European countries. So maybe it's not specific to Russia, but it is definitely not a very North American thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'll just go for a walk to the store and pick up a single jar of pickled something or other. And that trip will take them, you know, majority of the day. Just put that jar of pickles on their cart and just walk down the street. I think my favorite thing is that a lot of these cities in Russia are like, we'll call them small cities, but they'll be like 300, 400,000 people. Mm-hmm. And most people are, are fairly fast paced, but the a babushka will take her time. She has, <laughs> you know, she's just got all the time in the world to go down to the, to the market and get that jar of pickles, put it in her cart and just roll back home and if she has to stop to feed some pigeons, she will. Oh, she will. Yeah. <laughs> She's got her duties. She has her duties. Speaking of one jar of pickles, like, I don't remember if you remember seeing, or I don't know if you remember seeing this, but I just remember Babushkas would always just sit on the side of the roads, probably like outside of a bus stop or like a metro stop and like just set up camp, just have like one piece of produce that they like grew in their garden. Like it could be like <laughs> one jar of pickles or like, one squash or one zucchini and they just sit there all day and try to sell it yeah man man they're yeah they're trying to take advantage of that capitalistic system you know they're still getting used to absolutely and it's like they don't have a very wide like merchandise there and they're trying to just cater to that one buyer you know yeah you only gotta sell one Oh yeah, if I'm out on the run and I'm like, you know what I needed right now? I just needed one zucchini. Good thing this <laughs> babushka right here is selling exactly one. Oh, totally. I mean, you don't really know where that zucchini's been. Oh no. Or how long it's been sitting out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can probably guess that it's at least been on the street for, I don't know, most of the day, at least. Before <laughs> that though, that is a mystery. Yeah, if it didn't sell the day before, maybe it's still on the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's so true. But I would say that the the babushkas, they're so sweet, just like we said when they always, well, I guess they can also be scary if you do anything that might disappoint them and they'll, they'll let you know, but yeah, they'll like, they'll always be really sweet and they'll, they'll do these things that we nicknamed Bob blessings. 
and it's almost like a priest blessing you with all these amazing gifts and right right, as you're leaving they'll just be like oh i bless you with like i hope that you have good health and that you find a wonderful woman and have beautiful children and a long life (laughs) true all these things that go off on my birthday when i was in russia all i wanted was just a beautiful bob blessing oh that's all you could that's all you really need and and that's that's all i got really (laughs) to be honest but it was it was probably the most impactful birthday because of that those bob blessings are real they're real i mean i only have like two of those seven things you mentioned right now but hey (laughs) the the long life is on its way (laughs) long life beautiful wife beautiful kids they're coming yeah (laughs) one one day according to the seven babushki yeah yeah all right so so jeff uh to culminate our our babushka experience here i want to hear your best bob stories you have you have one or two that just cream of the crop this just warms your heart when you when you remember this i have one that just really warms my heart and i wish it warmed (laughs) i wish it warmed it then because it was a freezing cold day oh yeah this is a shared experience you and i have actually nice there's this there's this wonderful babushka this uh, this elderly woman named tatiana tatiana bagamolova Bagamolova? oh man she was a very sweet lady who actually really loved classic rock surprisingly enough which was wonderful human being wonderful human being very artistic loved poetry and she needed to be taken to the hospital because she had an eye infection right so you me and our other two friends uh, we went over because all we needed to do was help her get to the hospital or get into the taxi to go to the hospital, right? Right. Yeah. She was at, least, at least that was our understanding. That was our understanding. It's also important to mention she was wheelchair bound. Yes. She's, she's no use of her legs. Yeah, no use of her legs. So we're sitting in her house in the morning. We got there quite early waiting for the taxi and it had snowed probably like eight inches overnight. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. still snowing. <laughs> yeah, it was still coming down a little bit. Yeah, it was it was bad. And uh the taxi just like never showed up, right? Uh-huh. So what what did we do next, Benjamin? I mean, we're running out of time and she's frantic. She's like, I gotta get to my appointment, I gotta get my eye taken care of. You know what? Let's just start walking. And then we thought she meant, oh, let's just, you know, take her to, you know, a bus stop where we can somehow heave her onto the bus and get her to the hospital. But what what happened next, Jeff? Well, first of all, I think heave is a very appropriate word because she was not a small woman. <laughs> no, she was definitely, I mean, due to her probably inability to do lots of cardio, she was a large woman. Yes. Um, but when she said we're going to, let's start walking, she meant let's let's start walking. And yeah, needed us to wheel her from her home to the hospital, which we were hoping that would be like, you know, a couple blocks, but... Yeah, I mean, it was on the other side of town. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is not a flat Russian city. No. No, we went up and down hills, over pushing bridges. this, yeah, over bridges, through traffic, <laughs> like pushing this woman. The, on the highway. <laughs> on the highway, yeah. Pushing loving Tatiana in her wheelchair through eight inches of snow, and it was still snowing. But on top of that, she had what was it, a second wheelchair? Yeah, that was right? she had She had an outdoor wheelchair for us to push her, and then she had a second wheelchair that she was going to use inside the hospital. So while two of us were pushing her uphill through eight inches of snow, uh, I think I was in the back carrying her other wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, which was, it did not look like you were having an easy go at it either. No, for those of you who ever car- carried 
uh, Soviet metal wheelchair, those things are neither light nor easy to carry. <laughs> and I think I was, I was uh, probably right in front of you carrying her crutches, which I guess she also, <laughs> not only did she need two wheelchairs, but crutches as well. And of course, a lovely bouquet of flowers to give to the doctor. Find <laughs> <laughs> my hardest to not, to not smash them or let them get frozen in the snow. Oh, man. So how long, did, how long did it take, finally, to get there to the hospital? To be honest, I don't know. My, my comprehension of time at that point was so skewed. It was at least probably two hours, I would say. Yeah, we, that, was, that counted as our workout for the day, for sure. Anyway, and to close up the close up that wonderful story, uh, when we tried to check up on her and figure out how the appointment went with her eye infection, and all she oh, could post was that they yeah. deleted her eye, and uh, <laughs> which is the uh, right way to to express that in Russian. But we were like, "What do you mean deleted?" And she said, "It's gone. They just plucked it out." <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and she took off her eye patch and just showed us the the gaping hole just the socket that her eye used to be in. My, yeah, well, one of our good friends will never never let us forget the story of how he had to put eye drops in it, and she kept telling him to go deeper. <laughs> oh, man. Tatiana. Yeah, I'm grateful I didn't have to have that experience, too. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, but wherever she is, I hope she's doing well. She's Listen. making the most of, of the one eye and the zero legs that she has. Listening to... The Beatles and Led Zeppelin, well, Bon Jovi, while having her one eye. Yeah, yeah. At least she has two ears. Yeah, <laughs> she can listen to this podcast. <laughs> I guess that can lead us into the next topic, which is that Russia's cold. <laughs> Dude, yes, yes. Russia is very cold. It gets so, so very cold. So, what was what was the coldest day that you experienced, Jeff? I think the coldest temperature I experienced was about negative 36 Fahrenheit which I was kind of disappointed about because Celsius and Fahrenheit meet at negative 40 and not you know I was already that cold anyway at negative 36 like yeah what's another 40 degrees degrees, like what is it like come on just just to be able to say that I I experienced it but yeah that was cold yeah I mean you know it's cold when you take you know a boiling pot of water and you open your window on the 17th story, throw the water out the window, and it instantly evaporates. <laughs> That's when you know it's cold, where, where science starts to not make any sense. I know. It's, like, <laughs> it's almost like a comforting feeling I have, like just walking out of your apartment building in the morning, taking like that first breath of clean winter <laughs> air, and yeah. you can just feel your little nose hairs freeze over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your nose hairs, like you take a few steps and the moisture on like your eyelashes start to freeze. And every time you blink, you can feel the ice rubbing on your skin. Oh, it's just the joy. It's a weird feeling, man. But uh, it's, it's kind of, it's beautiful too. Speaking of the skin, you had something weird happen to you one winter with your. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, so in Russia, as we know, because it gets so cold, scarves are not just for fashion. They are for survival. Yeah. So, we're walking home one day and we get out of the metro and it's probably like, what, a 12, 15 minute walk from the metro to our apartment. And my scarf slips down off of my nose. I don't realize it because it's so cold. Like I'm already numb, you know? But because my, my nose is exposed to the, to the open cold air, we get into the elevator and it was, it was you or someone else said, 
dude, Benjamin, your nose is gray. <laughs> so we, we get back to the apartment, look in the mirror, and yeah, the tip of my nose, you know, is just completely gray. I can't feel it. Just like hard as a rock. You know what it looked like? You know when you like are micro, I mean like you should let your chicken defrost the proper way, but yes. you know when you like defrost it in the microwave and like the corner of it or like the edge of your chicken breast just like cooks. Yes. Like colorless and nasty. Yeah, it's just that, that weird gray. It doesn't feel like meat at it's all. It's like lifeless. Like that, that's what the tip of your nose looked like for like a good like couple days, right? Yeah. Well, well yeah, it, it was like that for, for that day and then a little bit the next day. By the time I woke up two days later, it was bright pink. And then within probably 24 hours after that, it had peeled like, like a sunburn. <laughs> like when you get a really bad sunburn and it starts to peel off, it, I got like freezer burn on my nose you know dude i'm just glad you still have a nose yeah yeah i can still smell and it's still there so but yeah that's just an example of how how incredibly cold it can get and if you're not careful it'll get you another thing about babushkas they will get on your case if you are not wearing a hat in the winter oh yes (laughs) like like you could have just you know robbed a store and they would yell at you probably the same oh absolutely it's so funny of course, they just wrap their babies up like little marshmallow monsters. And oh, I even love that. Like, even in the spring and fall, like when there's no snow yet, they will wrap those babies up. And it is so funny because they look like, they look like, what's his, Ralphie's brother in A Christmas Story who's trying to run away from the bullies and just keeps like falling and can't move his arms. Yeah, their range of motion is limited to basically a, a snow angel, you know? Yeah. But the funny thing is that those same babushkas who will yell at you for not having a hat will comment profusely like how beautiful these young Russian girls are who are just wearing their stockings <laughs> and their mini yeah. skirts in the wintertime. They'll say like, oh, what beautiful long legs. They're like, how, how beautiful that young girl looks. And you're like, she's, she's wearing way less clothing than I am. Yeah, she's wearing like heels and like a eight inch skirt, you know. But then again, they do have like a massive fur coat on over that, so... That's true. I guess that's all that yeah. really matters. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's real fur. If you're wearing a beaver, you're, you're set. Yep. So well, moving on to our next topic, uh, let's talk about, you know, there's the stereotype that Russians drink a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they love their vodka. I mean, I, I did a little bit of research, and I found that beer, a big American drink, you know, obviously worldwide, but still, it wasn't considered an alcoholic drink in Russia until 2011. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it's just not strong enough for something. I don't know. Only nine years ago. So only for the past nine years. Yeah, it's been considered alcoholic. Yeah, you could just, <laughs> you know, buy that at your own grocery store. Say you're, you know, nine, ten years old. I mean, you know? I guess that makes sense since they sell beer on tap at any McDonald's and any Burger King in Russia. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know if we're trying to refute this, but I think there's definitely, you know, both sides to the, the drinking stereotype. I mean, look back at the history of Russia. Legend has it that Russians chose Orthodox Christianity over Islam back in, you know, the, what was it, the 10th century or something. And legend has it they chose Christianity because Islam forbade drinking. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, more of the story is Russians really love their drink. But I think they also have it in moderation at times, too. I think it's definitely a celebratory thing, or just as it is around the world, it's definitely, you know, if you typically come from lower 
you know, socioeconomic status, you're probably more likely to drink, you know, as a lot of people would say, your sorrows away. Because to yeah. be honest, you know, living conditions in Russia can be tough. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So in, in your time in the motherland, Jeff, did you have any pretty crazy run-ins with, with some drunk people? You know, Benjamin, there's one that really sticks out in my mind. <laughs> you were there for this one too. I feel like all the best stories happened when you were there. Maybe we just attracted trouble. Just happens, yeah. We were helping this old lady that we knew plant potatoes. And we, like, we thought, just a little backstory, we thought we were just going to, you know, help her for a couple hours in her nice, like, modest home garden, plant some potatoes. No, she had, like, right. a whole field. Like, a giant had, field. Like, that a- hadn't been tilled in maybe, like, 10 years full of weeds. So we spent all day, you and I got so sunburnt that day. Oh, yeah. So, like, again, we just talked about how Russia's cold, but, like, summer is hot, actually. It's summer's crazy. beautiful in Russia. It's beautiful, but you got the two extremes. Like, it's not cold year-round. But anyway, yeah. yeah. so we're planting potatoes all day, and she's, like, nowhere to be found, as, like, half of the day, and we're just kind of doing indentured servitude. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she did happen to, like, be over by us, and then we see, like, this man, this drunk man wearing, like, one of those, like, I don't know, like, one of those train conductor hats kind of looking things, mm-hmm. with, like, a vest, big work boots, just, like, this monster of a man. Yeah, he was probably like six, six, seven, six, eight. Like he's he massive. Was, he was huge. He just is like stumbling around over the the rows that we tilled, and I, we could both tell he was very drunk. And it kind mm-hmm. of it kind of freaked me out a little bit. But I was just like, okay, if we ignore him, and he was he was like yelling some things that, that were kind of inaudible towards us. Yeah, I just thought, you know, let's just ignore him. He'll he'll go away. And yeah, he did not go away. And uh, he came over and just started yelling at us like crazy. And we didn't really know what to do. And I was holding this big shovel because we were planting these potatoes. And he just grabs onto the handle of the shovel. And the first thing that goes in my mind, I'm like, if this man, this huge dude gets a hold of this shovel, like, I'm done for. Like, he is yeah. at me. He is angry. I'm not a big guy. I'm, I'm what, five, seven, if that. I'm like five, six. And yeah. uh, I was just thinking, like, he's towering over me. He will take one swing of that shovel. And I'll just be... <laughs> yeah for and, um, lack of a better word for lack of a better word so i'm just like trying to fight him for the shovel all the while he is yelling at us and then finally he you know overpowers me and grabs it and for a split second i remember like you and i just like standing wide-eyed like what is he gonna do next to which he just like plants the shovel in the earth and says you're planting the potatoes wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh yes this is how you dig the hole <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that was a turn of events. <laughs> yeah, from, from murderer to expert farmer. I know. Oh, man. That's beautiful. Uh, and, and I never thought my life flashed before my eyes more than that point, though. Holy cow. Yeah. Man. But at least now we know how to plant potatoes the right way. The oh, Russian way. The Russian way. Yeah. And I really, I really hope that, that that potato field the next year was profitable. I mean, we, we put a lot of work in that field for a whole day. <laughs> like an entire 12 hours straight of work. Yeah, yeah. But you can't pay for those experiences. No. Money can't <laughs> buy that. It's true. And that's what that, that old lady definitely knew because she did not pay us. <laughs> no, no, she did not. She did not. For our free labor. 
It's okay. That's why we were there. That's kind of the thing that I noticed the most about like drunk people in Russia is I, they were kind of like, they could be annoying or pushy or like grab a hold of your arm and you're trying to get away from them, but they weren't really violent ever or like overly rude. Like, especially like when I would run into a drunk man who was begging and he would just say like, give me your money. All he would have to say is like, no. And then he'd say, why not, man? And I'd be like, cause it's my money and I don't want to give it to you. And they'd just be like, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I got, I got just, you, dude. And then just like keep walking. You're like, all right. So I never felt like in danger of getting mugged ever, which was a really nice thing. No, I, I totally agree. And I feel like, you know, I, I saw my share of violence due to, uh, you know, drunk dudes having the time of their life. But in my personal experience, you know, my personal interaction with drunk people, really, it just kind of brought out their raw personality. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like to share just one quick story that kind of shows that is I was going with, you know, one of my friends, it was probably 1130 at night and we had to catch a night train from the city where we were at to Moscow. And we were hustling to the train station because we were late and our apartment was maybe a mile from the train station. So we're, we're carrying our luggage and hustling at 1130 at night. The only people on the street at that time are obviously just drunk people roaming around. And the, the drunk person says to my friend who at that time didn't speak great Russian, Actually, I have no idea what he said to him, but my, my, my friend, you know, stopped and asked like, hey, what did you say? Like, were you trying to talk to us? And I was like, no, no, just keep going. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but the, the drunk man just saw that as, you know, oh, we want to engage with him in a conversation. So, but I tell my friend, okay, we got to keep going. So we like start jogging a little bit away. But this man who's wearing flip-flops starts running after us. And so we speed up and he speeds up. And as he's running, he just loses both of his flip-flops, but he keeps chasing us. He's barefoot, oh, man. you know, smells really bad, like vodka. Eventually, he grabs my shoulder and, like, pulls me. He's like, all right, we need to talk. Like, don't go anywhere. So he pulls me, and he just says, you know what, man? I know you guys are Americans, but listen to me. We have our problems, you know, Americans and Russians, but we can fix this. We can really <laughs> fix this problem. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a gift. And I want you to take this back give it to President Trump and everything will be better. And I was like, okay, well, we got a train to cash, cash. So if you could just give us that gift real fast, we'll get going. And he's like, all right. And he pulls out his keys and from his keys, he takes off this, I don't know, it's probably like three or four inches long. It was a bottle opener that had a picture of St. Petersburg on it. Uh-huh. It also doubled as a magnet, by the way, pretty cool. Anyway, so he hands this to me and says, my sister is from, lives in St. Petersburg. And I haven't seen her in years, but she sent me this in the mail last week and I want you to have it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, I can't take that from you. Like, that's from your sister. Like, that obviously means a lot to you. He's like, no, I want you to take it. This will solve our diplomatic problems. And I'm like, man, I, like, I'll just do this guy a favor by taking it. So I, I took it. He, he let us alone. We made our train. And from that day on, it's hung on my fridge. I just cannot believe how how well those diplomatic problems were solved by you taking that. Yeah, I can't even, yeah, I can't even begin to list all the things that have happened because of that. <laughs> like I was so unaware that like you were at the root of the solution. Yeah. Incredible. And since then, Putin's just done his thing, Trump's done his thing, and they probably shook hands about twice. Yeah. <laughs> You're a true international hero, Benjamin. You know, unknown to most, but to <laughs> listeners of this podcast, they know. They will know. <laughs>
Yeah. So not that I would consider, you know, vodka food, but we did talk about planting potatoes, uh, which are a big part of the food of Russia. So to transition into our next topic, which is Russian food, I want to pose this question, Jeff. What in your mind is the food of Russia? I mean, the first thing that always comes to my mind is mayo. Like mayo. mayo. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been to a Russian grocery store, you know. I have this wonderful picture, and I wish that the listeners could see this picture, but it is a grocery aisle. Just, like, imagine, like, the entire meat section of, like, a Walmart. Yeah. Where you got, you got beef, you got chicken, pork, fish, all in, like, one long refrigerated aisle. But, like, right. The whole thing in this picture is just mayonnaise, and it is five, <laughs> five shelves, shelves tall. And oh. like, as long as that whole meat section would be in an American grocery store, just different kinds of mayo. They yeah. love their mayonnaise. And honestly, like, I kind of I dig it <laughs> when I'm there. Yeah. At first, I was like, what is this, you know? And they're all in little bags. They're not jars like it normally would be in the States. It's like big squirtable bags that you can, you know, put your, your lid back on. And it's so creamy. They have all these different kinds, avocado mayo tomato mayo quail egg mayo lime mayo all the flavors you could imagine man yeah they they put it in everything and uh, a russian salad is just you know a few potatoes maybe a couple vegetables and like four cups of mayo (laughs) (laughs) i mean here in america we have russian salad dressing right yeah but when i was in russia i never saw russian salad dressing. russian salad dressing yeah it's just mayo and yeah, it's, it's yeah. I don't have anything special. <laughs> no. Yeah. And in addition to, you know, the mayo, I would say, you know, classic Russian dish is just kasha. Or as we probably translate it, just some sort of, you know, oatmeal type food or buckwheat, yeah. right? Buckwheat. Yeah. Tons of buckwheat. You take your buckwheat or your oats or whatever, just like rice, you know, put it in water or milk, boil it, take it out, and you just eat that with your mayo. Yep. Maybe if you're, if you're really, really cultured, you'd cut up some chicken or some red peppers, throw it in there, make some super grechka. As we did, as we did. <laughs> as we did. But yeah, grechka, buck, buckwheat, and uh, mayo. Yeah, it's the, the deadly thing combination. Is buck, buckwheat is like so versatile and it's like actually like way good. The only problem is you can barely find it in the States because we feed it to horses here. <laughs> yeah. No, you can, you can buy it in a lot of large grocery stores, usually in that aisle where just like a bunch of random bins with like maybe oats or granola in them that you just put into a bag yeah. and write the number of like whatever it is on the bag and you weigh it. That's like the only way you can buy it. And usually it's way overpriced because in all reality, it should probably be the same cost as rice. Yeah. And but it's it, incredibly healthy. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, buckwheat for lots of meals. You got sour cream, which is actually a lot less sour than in America and a lot creamier than in America yeah. as well. No, they, they nailed sour cream. Yeah, you got that. You got crepes, basically. Yeah, they're, they're blini Russian pancakes. Yeah. No, it's all good. It, I mean, food can be a little bit bland, but I think the best tasting foods in Russia are the ones that come from their surrounding countries, <laughs> their former yeah. Soviet republics. <laughs> exactly. I, I would agree. The best food in Russia that I ever had was Georgian food. And Armenian food. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, no, you can get really good food and you can have a good time with it. 
I found that since being back in the States, I, I rarely have a great desire to just make Russian food except yeah. for maybe nostalgic purposes. It's not really something yeah. you crave. Yeah. Nostalgic purposes or like purposes of showing people like, Oh, this is what we ate. But yeah. Yeah. Now if there was like more Georgian restaurants around where we live, I think I'd be hitting that up a lot. But. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So moving on from food to um, another big stereotype of Russia. And obviously it's a very biased stereotype, I think, because we as Americans have our, our history with the Russian government, you know, looking back to the Cold War and a lot of other political issues. Uh, the government is relatively corrupt. At least that's a stereotype, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, you know, to a certain degree, a accurate stereotype. Um, for example, in the 2012 election, when Putin was elected for his third term, um, <laughs> one region registered a voting turnout of 146%. So, wow. so really, you, you tell me, you know. That's a whole lot of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a couple people showed up twice, three times, <laughs> to vote, vote for their main man, Putin, yeah. who has been the main man for a long time. So in your experience, Jeff, talking with actual Russians in the country, What's your experience with their understanding of the politics there? You know, it is a, it's just a catch-all. You get all sorts of different opinions from the people who live there. You have yeah. people who are very against Putin, and you have people who couldn't be more for Putin. But I think that like a, a very across-the-board sentiment is that a lot of people miss the Soviet Union. Not necessarily for the politics, but because of the socialism. Yeah, they were taken care of. They were taken care of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just to you know, talk about that a little bit more, at least from my conversations that I've had with a lot of Russians, you know, and their understanding of, or at least their desire to go back to the Soviet Union in certain ways, I found that a lot of people that were typically, you know, in more, experienced more poverty, really miss the Soviet Union, you know, because they, they had a job and they always had food on the table. They had an apartment. And all they had to do was show up every day. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the people that have really embraced capitalism and gotten, you know, taken advantage of it, whether in a good way or a bad way or a legal <laughs> way, you know, they don't want to go back because they're so much better off because of the things that they, they have. So, yeah, it's, it's really across the board when it comes to that. But either way, Putin definitely does have a lot of support in Russia. Most people I talked to said, you know what? He might be corrupt and he might get reelected a lot of times in ways that maybe aren't the best, but he's put our country in the right direction that we feel. He's made us a, a superpower to compete on a global sphere. Yeah, and I think that the main thing that we need to remember or, or help our listeners realize is that just because, you know, they have Putin with their government that might seem corrupt or, or with the history of communism in the Soviet Union, that's not really a reflection on the Russian people, like, no, they're wonderful, lovely, amazing people who are, you know, happen to be connected to their government, unfortunately. And just like people who hate Trump wouldn't like to be defined by being from Trump's country or the people who hated Obama to be defined as being from Obama's country, you know? Yeah. Like, Americans are Americans, despite, you know, who's in power or what's happening in politics. But yeah, the Russians have such a bright and beautiful culture and spirit about them. No, that's so true. Thanks for sharing that. Just talking about governments. The people that run governments are the same people that we talk to each and every day. A lot of times we classify them as one big, possibly corrupt entity. 
Yeah. But in reality, it's a bunch of different people working together to support a society. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, there's a couple individuals that can, you know, create that bad news and that corruption. But for the majority of the time, it's just a lot of people doing their, their job, doing what they yeah. want to do, help society, help the community. So I would say in my cumulative, like two and a half years of different times living in Russia, just one of the main things that, I, that surprised me the most because we know so little about it as a Western culture. Yeah. And we have these stereotypes so ingrained is that like Russians and Americans or Russians and the Western world for that matter, are, are, we're so similar because we're all people. And it was just like, honestly, I don't know why I, I assumed that they would be so foreign for lack of a better term but man oh man do we share so many similarities with with the things we do or the misunderstandings we have of each other yeah it's very very connected and it's very synonymous and i think that that was just one of the the coolest things that i was able to realize no that's so true might speak a different language but we're all people yeah but sometimes different quirks yeah, which, is what, which is what makes society so interesting you know yeah. that's why we travel different places to see that culture and see is there something here that we want to adopt or is there something here that we recognize in ourselves that we're somewhat judgmental towards that we can change yeah i don't know i i wish that here in the states we would see more old ladies selling like a single pickle on the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i agree i would buy that pickle sometime. i would buy that pickle <laughs> yeah i mean this is an ad for russian pickles but they are pretty good i'm just i take it as this before i went to russia ever i hated pickles with all my heart and now i like pickles so take that for what it's worth <laughs> yeah so before we end this podcast jeff is there anything else you'd like to share man i don't know if i have any more like stories that are just popping into my brain if you have any i'd love to hear that but as just i guess part of my closing words i would just say you know russia is absolutely a beautiful country i've only been to the cities in the western half of russia unfortunately i'd love to get to the eastern half but like it is so not the gray dark gloomy place that we portray in hollywood movies like it is so colorful almost every building is painted a different pastel color in almost any city you visit it's absolutely so green in the summer times. And yeah, just like, I think that the architecture and the colors are just really, really uh, is the same with their culture and their, their personalities of the people. So yeah, not all dark and gloomy, but actually very colorful, and beautiful. Yeah. And just as the cities and the people are colorful and beautiful, so is their culture. It's vibrant vibrant and it's vibrant yep and just because it's different than ours doesn't make it better or worse but it's something to appreciate yeah absolutely yeah great well thank you so much for coming on today jeff oh yeah my pleasure thanks for having yeah. me great i love talking about this with you i mean you're you are the man when it comes to to russian <laughs> and uh appreciate your expertise insight and for sharing all the things you shared today yeah no problem And uh, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning into this podcast on uh, Mother Russia. And as we always say, stay retro, my friends. 